Hey, everybody, welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, if you are a regular listener to Crafted, well, then you know that recently I was on a bit of a tour through the state of Vermont, and that means that, of course, I had to stop by Shoreham, Vermont, and the Whistlepig Farm and Distillery. But on this particular visit to the farm, I got to meet for the first time and sit down with Liz Rhodes, who is a technical distiller and the head of whiskey development at Whistlepig. And as you will find out in this conversation, Liz is someone who is absolutely not afraid to get into the details talking about both the art and the science of whiskey production. And so in this conversation, she and I discuss distilling and sourcing and specific types of rye and yeast strains. And we also talk about non-alcoholic whiskey and Whistlepig's new bourbon. And along the way, we did some sampling of some Whistlepig products too. And it was just great to be back at the farm on a gorgeous day in Vermont. And if you'd like to learn a bit more about the craft of producing whiskey, well, then I am confident that Liz will have some new things to share with you in this conversation. As always, this episode of Crafted is presented by our Blister Craft Collective. These are a series of exceptional companies in the craft space that support the independent work we do here at Blister. And so we would love for you to check out their products and perhaps these will become some of your favorite products like they are ours. So we'll include a link to the Craft Collective in the show notes of this episode or you can find them on our Blister website. But for now... Let's talk about the science of whiskey with Whistlepig's Liz Rhodes. Here we go. Well, I am very happy to be back in Shoreham, Vermont at Whistlepig, but for the first time with Liz. Uh, Liz, thanks for being here and thank you for the fantastic tour. You're absolutely welcome. Happy you're here as well. Very excited to host you. It's really fun being back. I think it's, I could actually check exactly when I was here, but it was something like two and a half years ago, I think. And it's cool to see how things have evolved, what has evolved here and what's kind of stayed exactly the same. And, uh, and it's also like a 10 out of 10 day here in Vermont. This is about as good as it gets. It it does. Yeah. I always joke that whenever uh, we have gassed up, it's going to snow. But <laughs> of course, it's it's been a perfect day here. And again, so happy to have you up here and for you to experience uh, the farm. We got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Um, a lot. Uh, and we've been talking about some of the things I most want to talk about. And um, I mean, part of, I think, why there's a lot of ground to cover is because your own background is quite interesting and there's a lot of breadth to that background so maybe we start here what do you do here at Whistlepig mm-hmm. and then we'll get into from there we'll then get into a bit more about your background sure uh yeah so I'm head of whiskey development here at Whistlepig 
which in summation means um, I lead up our R&D department and our quality department as well. Okay. Coming back in my next life as a whiskey R&D person, that sounds like probably what I'm going to, whatever karmic path I need to get on <laughs> right now. Uh, I don't know if I need to become a better person or actually a worse person. I really have no idea, but I'd, I'd like to land there. And in, in the whiskey R&D world. Um, yeah, I, I I don't have a good answer for you, okay. but um, no, I would no always. Karmic, no karmic advice. I would always recommend be a better person. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> everyone who knows me is like liz that's the right answer please say be a better person yeah just i, I mean again uh, it's um you know thinking back about uh when you're a little kid right and mm -hmm. you're like what are you gonna be when you grow up mm -hmm. no one ever is like oh i'm gonna be whiskey r&d whiskey r&d that's not something a part of the path but i would just say again it's it's just trying to be a good person and, and you'll get there <laughs> well maybe this then is maybe it's a related question to your own background but i'm going to insert another question before we get to maybe your specific background like if literally if if someone was like you know, all the 11 year olds out there listening to this conversation right, right. now. Right, clearly listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if they're like, I want to go into whiskey R&D, how does one get on get that track? It. Yeah. So uh, my background, um, I'm a technical distiller is what I describe myself as. Um, and uh, I know a lot of people ask about um you know, being a master distiller or something like that, or a master blender. So we don't have any of those roles because we truly appreciate that we're a team and we're a whiskey making team. Um, and again, so I describe myself as a technical distiller because I'm always in the pursuit of learning. Uh, I'm, you know, a, a life learner. And I think that's where it starts. Uh, so a scientist by background, um, I think you're going to, probably ask me but i'll just jump in um so both my bs and ms are in food science and uh, fermentation science is my specialty and i think it all started there right it's a passion for learning um a passion for um science uh but i'm a self-proclaimed right brain scientist uh which means i'm led by curiosity creativity and entrepreneurial spirit and then fall back on my technical chops to execute the vision so i wouldn't be where i am today without that combo um and i think again the the, the curiosity uh is really important for my role here at whistlepig and that's why i try to instill in my team as well is just to always keep thinking about what's next we're gonna come back to your specific background okay but if but i'm always interested in like paths and degrees these things pop up right so today maybe as opposed to even 10 or 20 or 30 years ago if someone literally was like i want to get into the whiskey development r d game are there now new certifications or de degree programs and are are yeah. they new or have these actually been around quite a while and i just missed it doing less fun things 
Um, <laughs> so they're actually quite um, in in the infancy, really. Uh, so there's been a lot of brewing programs. Uh, so again, I'm a former brewer. Pretty much our whole whiskey making team were brewers. Uh, there are a lot of brewing programs, but the distilling game is is quite new. Um, but now there are certifications. Uh, I actually sit on a board of examiners for a certification program, which a lot of my teammates um, are sitting right now, which is great for us. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a quite a quite new. So the the art of distilling, not new at all. Not new. But in terms of trying to bring a bit more standardization, uh, uh, an educational standardization to that art, that's the newer part. It's a newer, yep, a newer development. Huh. Yeah. And again, and I think that's one of the things I love about whiskey. It's that intersection between art and science. So now we're finally recognizing that from a global perspective. So not just siloed in you know scotch for example but now we're talking about american whiskey now we're talking about agave you know tequila mezcal etc and so i think that whole thing is is very new so i need to go do a master's in whiskey r&d what would what is it called um so there's uh so i'm a diploma distiller as well um wait what you distill diplomas no, it's a, a diploma distiller through the Institute of Brewing and Distilling is uh, my other certification. And uh, y- that that would be the accreditation. Okay. That. I, I should become a diploma distiller. I mean, I would recommend it to anyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, um, there are other certifications, but that one's pretty much the premier one. Okay. See, this is helpful. When I announce in two weeks that I'm quitting blister and to yeah. pursue my new <laughs> my new dream of becoming a diploma distiller let's zoom out a bit on your own background um, because it does go it is broader than whiskey you already mentioned that you were yourself a brewer but you've worked in a seems to me pretty broad segment of the kind of beer and spirits world talk a bit more about that so I do um, have quite a bit of a background across the industry, uh, across the alcoholic beverage industry uh, holistically. So I've worked beer, rum, vodka, RTDs. Um, I did get a handle on um, CBD even um, beverages earlier this year as well. Uh, so I am coming up actually on my 15th year. In, in what life? alcoholic beverage oh you're older than 15 okay yeah, yeah i am older than 15 okay. uh lda respect uh that's legal drinking age um so yeah i i so i mentioned um both my bs and ms are in food science i got into the alcoholic beverage uh world of my junior year in undergrad and i was in a food product development class and our whole basically semester was you need to create some sort of product and you know from concept to commercialization uh sensory panels marketing plan the whole nine right and so for some reason i decided that i was going to make beer uh right as a junior in college sure why not yeah 
Um, <laughs> and what I didn't know is that I instantly fell in love with the biochemistry behind um, brewing and fermentation. And so in that moment, I was bitten by the bug, right? I was hooked. Uh, so that was about, yeah, 15 years ago. <laughs> I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so my uh, very first um, project was a nutraceutical beer. A nutraceutical beer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, right, instantly fell in love and just never turned back. Um, so from there, went to grad schools. Again, food science, but with a focus on fermentation science. I uh, did my master's research in in beer, worked at a craft brewery in Raleigh, North Carolina. And from there, I went to work at uh, Diageo. Heard of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Heard of it. Turns so out. I was there for eight years and pretty much um, throughout my tenure there uh, was technical process and quality support and R&D. And so, as I mentioned, I started out there um, with a beer background. Um, my very first project at Diageo was a brewing project. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of beer happening um, in North America with Diageo uh, at the time. So I quickly had to shift focus into what, again, I affectionately refer to as the beer afterlife, which is the world of whiskey. Uh, and again, got bitten by the bug um, and kind of just said, beer, we love you, but let's, let's do whiskey. Uh, and then also uh, worked um, in rum and vodka as well. Uh, and most of my, again, technical process quality support for all the North American, Central, uh, the Caribbean, and a little bit of South America distilleries, third parties. But a lot of my work was whiskey R and D for Crown Royal and Bullet brands hmm. specifically. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, lots to unpack there. First of all, when you're talking about the beer afterlife or whiskey as the beer afterlife, explain what you mean because I think you actually mean this kind of literally. Yeah, because uh, most of the processes that happen, in even though. Uh, because I'm going to geek out on this and this is too much for this conversation. There are a lot of different things happening, raw material wise, processing wise, but literally you take a beer and then you distill it and that's whiskey, yep. right? Yep. So literally afterlife. it's a beer afterlife. Yeah, literally. I think there's still people who don't actually know that part that like whiskey is beer distilled down. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to to put it simply, that's that's literally what it is. And of course, there's a lot of other regs um, that go into it, uh, especially in this country with um, you know the TTB and whatnot. But TTB, uh, TTB, the Trade and Tax Bureau, which is the governing body for uh, alcohol in this country. And then I take it that, given your background, if somebody is extremely well trained in the art and the science of fermentation that is the foundation that allowed you then to go be of use in whether we were talking about rum or right. vodka or, or vodka any, yeah. or um any other raw material again uh i think fermentation is the foundation 
uh, raw materials, I think, are especially important as well. Of course, we're here uh, at Whistlepig at a farm distillery, um, sitting on 500 acres. 300 of that is dedicated to our crops. So raw materials is where it all starts. And of course, we, you know, take that very seriously. Most of that is rye, but we grow other crops as well. But I think understanding your raw materials, understanding um, fermentation, uh, I think are all important pillars to to what I do. Mm-hmm. And to kind of piggyback, we've been talking about hey, puns. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, they really like puns around here. It's kind of weird, people. But now I'm doing it too. Um, but this is why when you were just talking a few minutes ago about your own background and what you find to be personally really exciting about like the world of spirits is with this foundation in fermentation, you can just kind of see new worlds and explore and do weird, interesting new things. That's right. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. So I, again, I always go back to the point where, I mean, I don't make whiskey. I look after a tiny little organism called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Uh, <laughs> Wait, to slow that one down. Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is our um, our partners in crime. They make whiskey, right? Uh, they're ethnogens. Um, and so without them, they're a, a tiny little organism, um, part of the fungi class, uh, less than 10 microns long. and I couldn't do my job without them. So understanding how to protect them, how to make sure they do their job, that's what I do. Uh, It's, again, like, I don't make whiskey, they do. So being able to um, make sure they're happy and healthy and um, make sure we have the right uh, specific strain, because there's a lot of different, um, you know, types of Saccharomyces cerevisiae, and subspecies and so yeah fermentation is it right like they make ethanol they make flavor i just make sure they're happy this is really fun i just recently very recently was a couple hills over at bar hill yeah talking with ryan christensen and we talked a lot about bees and beekeeping Mm -hmm. and he made a impassioned and correct case for like hey everyone we need bees for kind of everything we're doing like literally everything but you now are making the case for the say it say it one more time saccharomyces cerevisiae can you spell that like if if i thousand dollars on the table could you spell that uh yep all right let's go Uh, S-A-C-C-H-A-R-O-M-Y-C-E-S, Saccharomyces, Cerevisiae, C-E-R-I-V-I-C-A-E. I don't know if you are right or not. I'll, I'll check the tape later. But that, I think, is my favorite moment in any podcast I've ever done. So thank you for doing that. And it seems legit. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, do you think I'm, you, I'm here for you. Do you think you got it? I, I'm feeling pretty confident. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, 
That's actually really cool. I did not think we were going there today. But yeah, just thinking through the biological and organic processes that make this stuff that many of us enjoy, it's a pretty cool, another building block and critical, critical building block to this whole process. Yeah. And I I would say again, because um, of course we're, you know, a rye whiskey company um, and that little organism that I just mentioned uh, is super critical for us. And just like humans, um, we all have different genetic makeup. And so we actually use a specific yeast strain, one of those Saccharomyces cerevisiae that I just mentioned, um, that has a specific gene uh, that kind of transposes um, the precursors in rye to make that spice character, which is called 4-vinylglycol. I'm not going to spell that for you. <laughs> Are these the things that one learns about in fermentation? Not, I was about to say fermentation school. I guess fermentation we're saying food school. and... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, academia is great. Experience and just being a life learner, as I mentioned, I think is, is important. You're always going to learn something more, uh, which is, I think, a part of anyone's goal. I think some of us who, you know, try to learn about sort of the craft world, you know, we've gotten, if you're a, a level or two up, you maybe, and you're into beer, say, then you're starting to understand the world of hops more. But like, we don't talk about, oh, this whiskey was made with this particular E-strain. Yeah. and. So, it's not something uh, that we talk about specifically because I think it's a little bit too esoteric for a consumer, right? So, what we do talk about is, like you mentioned, a particular, you know, hop cultivar. Okay, so we can talk about um, our, you know, rye varietal, what we grow here on the farm, which is Danko. Um, and I think that's something that's more critical to us. However, it's not more critical. You just got done talking about how the E-strains are the whole foundation of this entire enterprise. I, it, yeah. It's more easily understood by consumers, but that's different. Come on now. Well, I think it's, it's a combination, though. But again, like we're super proud of, of our farm and the crops that we grow. and. Going back to, I think, my previous statement, it all starts back to the raw material. And, of course, the yeast strain plays a huge role into that, too. And it's just a part of that grain-to-glass continuum. And we're, we're just shepherds of shepherds. that. Yeah, you're a shepherd. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, you just need to start telling people when they're like, what do you do? You're like, I'm a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Let's dive into rye a bit more. Um, and I. I'll throw something out and you can tear it apart or tell me I'm not terribly off base or something. We just were talking about hops. Yep. And I think that I, I'm kind of trying to guess where sort of not, not like the average consumer, but somebody who's trying to pay attention to what's going on in these fields. Um, was that a pun? No. Was it? Was it an unintentional? Do I get a, like docked a point for that? Or No, you, no, you get, get a point. I do. Sick. <laughs> Sick. Um, I'm better at this than I thought. Um, so 
we're aware of different hops and you know we've talked on the crafted podcast about um brewers going to find their hops you know for the coming season and the like i don't know that as a generalization people are that familiar with different types of rye oh her head just exploded go the floor is yours tell us yeah i would say this is a very new thing um there's been a lot of uh, research coming out um within the last five years uh rye typically it's been a cover crop and because of that it's just been kind of the wild west um i'm not gonna get into the genetics specifically or maybe i why, am why are you not i feel like you're cheating us uh, Don't well, I'll just say that, um, again, people haven't really dug into the research, but there's been um, a lot of good studies coming out of Michigan State University, North Dakota State University, um, Cornell. Um, I've participated in some research as well. Just really trying to understand um, what uh, hybrid varietals versus traditional open pollinated varietals um, look like how does terroir play an effect into that? Um, what's you know something grown, a varietal grown in right North Dakota versus grown here in Vermont? How does that play a effect into yield in the field? Um, yield as a distiller and flavor, and all of that has really happened over the past yeah few years, and it's an exciting time. And uh, here at Whistlepig, we've, you know, we were early adopters of some of the new methodologies to be able to depict what um, our spirit yield is going to look like and what our flavor is going to look like. And so that's something we're super proud about. You were early in figuring out what your spirit yield and flavor yeah, yield so, were going to look like? Yep. Because there's some new methods, um, we've partnered with some um, some labs to basically help us determine that, and so that's something that's a part of our normal quality protocols now. Gotcha. So you're saying if you're trying to make and put out to the world some good rye whiskey, you better understand your own ground terroir. Your terroir, and yep. you better understand the varietal of rye. Yep. Yeah. And that you think is newer than where the world was 10 or 20 years ago? Yeah, I think specifically with rye, that's um, something that we have found that's super important. Um, so ter terroir, varietal, and just understanding agronomics. So, right, we're a super sustainable company as well. And we believe being stewards of the land is super important. Um, you know, again, we're 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 just 500 acres, and and this is our little taste of place, and we want to protect that and make our our whiskey as sustainable as we can, use our resources wisely, but also make some damn fine whiskey. <laughs> Look at that! She really got into the microphone on that one. I did. One of the things I like to do in these conversations is when I'm talking with people, help. Well, frankly, me, but anybody in my shoes think through or better understand i mean there's a lot of whiskeys out there a lot of whiskeys out there right yep. so to help us 
better think through or understand like what should we even be looking for you know something you might just be like i don't know i really dig the taste of that particular bottle from that particular company but as we're trying to think through like like i was trying to push ryan at bar hill on this like what what even should be the considerations as somebody who's trying to figure out like what's kind of a better or worse gin when that comes to whiskey and i guess i would understand you so far and then you can you know correct me but like well can can the company or is the company thinking through things like well what is the land like what varietal of rye will we be using to kind of combine and play nicely with that land keep going or tell me i've got it wrong here at the end of the day whiskey is subjective right everyone has their different preferences i have spoken about this a lot um and my own i guess podcast h isn't everything um Although here at Whistlepig, we do tend to have higher age statements. That's one of our key pillars. Uh, but I think it, it goes down to the total process. Um, and again, I would urge a consumer to try something, um, not just because of the age or, or what have you, uh, but because, again, whiskey is subjective. And I think it's, it goes back to flavor profile. Um, you know, just like, right, we're sitting in front of a, a plate of cheese. I don't like cheese, but you like cheese. Yeah. So I could like one whiskey and, you know what I mean? Except but, we, we, so far, we seem to agree on whiskeys so far, but maybe we'll but, get into but that. So, yeah, but so far we agree on um, Whistlepick whiskeys yeah. being amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think as a distiller, like there's so many different things that could happen in the production side. So we, we talked about raw material and that's where it starts. We talked about fermentation, there's mashing, distillation, different types of, um, you know, uh, stills, uh, maturation. And there's so many different um, variables that go into play. But as a consumer, again, I, I think it's, it's just goes back to, you, you, you know, you just have to appraise and, and trial and error. And um, again, one of the things that I think about is age. But uh, again, there's, there's just so many different variables at play that make, I won't say make or break, but help depict, you know, flavor profiles of whiskeys. So give me some of those. Let's get into a couple specifics. Yeah, so... For example, um, think people think about like single malt and people kind of put that on a pedestal, which is great. Love me some single malt, right? Um, it's a, a super exciting thing. Uh, love me some rye whiskey, of course. So I think traditionally single malt versus grain whiskey. And I think there's kind of a misnomer where grain whiskey is lesser than which is obviously not the case because we're we're sitting here um and buying uh some grain whiskey right uh right now you know there's some you know single malt expressions that 
maybe are lesser value uh, versus a grain whiskey. So that's one thing I would say. So if we're digging into just each unit operation, again, there's just so there's just too many things to call out. But uh, here at Whistlepig, we're in batch rectifiers. You're in what? Batch rectifiers. So that's batch our type rectifiers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's our our particular um, distillation uh, setup here. So it's um, for those of you not familiar, um, pot you know pot still versus columns. And typically, people think about pot stills or single malt, and then people talk about columns for grain. Um, I've distilled single malt in column stills and vice versa. Uh, but here at Whistlepig, we're batch rectifier, which means we have a, a, a pot, but it has an eight tray column on top of it. So we're kind of uh, best of both worlds. Um, and we think that works out really well for us. But again, there's just, there's just so many different um, avenues to uh, create a, a plethora of of a rainbow of different whiskeys. So you've already said, look, ultimately it comes down to, do you like the flavor profile? But when you just said you're getting the best of both worlds, say more on that. How are you getting the best of both worlds by using batch rectifiers? A ba- yeah, batch rectifiers. So because we're a little bit more efficient um, versus just a traditional pot still um, setup. We're getting more rectification, um, which has to do with the refinement of the distillate. And, uh, but also we're still artisan, so we still make cuts like in a, a, pot, a traditional pot still. So that's kind of gotcha. what I'm referring to there. Huh. Man, she's a dork. This, this is like a, we, we like dorks around here. So like you're, you're, you're fitting well into the kind of blister family. Uh, and I'm just trying to keep up. So happy, very happy to dork out. So (laughs) (laughs) continuing on our dork journey, give me another example then of the many variables that are important. And yes, and these all go into uh, hopefully producing a beverage that many people out there really dig the flavor profile. But so give me another one. Sure. So ha- happy to do that. Um, so here at Whistle Pig, we like to talk about triple terroir. Yeah. Back oh, to our yeah. terroir conversation. Yeah. So we have our grain, um, our water source as well, but then um, also our wood. So I-, I would be remiss if I don't talk about maturation as a key pillar to that and finishing uh, because we always like to say we'll kind of put anything into a cask at least once any cask at least once just to see what happens um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but that's the spirit of innovation that's the spirit of learning um but i will say uh for us our oak um so we were chatting a little bit earlier around uh 15 year that we finish in our vermont oak or state oak and i would say that's for me, a huge driver of flavor, uh, specifically because, you know, it's, it's our little taste of place because of our climate and we're colder for longer. So our annual growth rings are a little bit different than Kentucky, for example. And what that translates to alongside our proprietary, you know, toast and char, uh, we get a lot of great 
like toasted marshmallow, vanilla, a campfire kind of notes just based on the, um, you know, the, the chemistry because we get more wood sugars, more lignin and less tannins that happens um, in, our, in our trees up here. So I would say that's maturation uh, is a, another huge lever um, that we definitely dig into. Maturation, that's a synonym with aged. Yeah, yeah? aging. Yeah. Yep. Okay, but you and I, we kind of first bonded over the fact that we're both very big fans of Whistlepig 15-year-old. Yep. And, and this is what you've been saying. You were saying it's that, that triple threat. Um, yeah, triple Yeah, triple. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm slinging, you know, common language now, triple threat. Um, but so how much of that, let's say if we use the same barrels that 15 year is finished in, but let's say we pulled it out at 12 year. I mean, Whistlepig makes a 12 year. Yep. Would, would I v- very much recognize a 12 year how do I even say this in English? Like a 15 year old bottle, right? Yep. If you're like, well, we pulled this one three years early, but same barrels, how similar or different? Like, you know, what's the bigger factor, the barrel or the, the three extra years of aging? I would say probably more to do with the barrel itself. Okay. Um, specifically again with the, um, the thermal treatment. So to- toast and char profile. Um, we use a combination uh, of, of different char levels here at Whistlepig throughout uh, our portfolio. But I would say that has a big effect. Uh, the type of oak um, as well would have an effect. Uh, the age, of course, has an effect, but I would say the, the barrel treatment themselves and the wood itself would probably have a a bigger effect and finishing we love a good finish there's so much that goes in to when you just walk into a store and you see a bunch of bottles on the shelf it's crazy actually yeah Uh, (laughs) that's all i got i'm done that was my i'm just reflecting on the yeah like all of the steps but so yes let's like go into finishing for a bit here okay yeah, as I mentioned, um, we do a lot of finishing uh, because we like to keep it bright and fun and we do a lot of innovation. And one of those levers uh, for innovation and flavor manipulation that we love to do is is finishing. Uh, of course, I just mentioned the 15-year, um, but we also have our 12-year, which is uh, finished as well um, after its 12-year journey. It then gets finished in three different wine casks. So uh, Madeira, Saturns, and Port uh, all separately. Uh, and then we blend it back in a specific ratio um, for flavor profile. And yeah, I think, again, if we just had you know our 12-year liquid, which is amazing, but then having that finishing step completely changes the flavor profile. And so that's a huge, again, a huge lever for for flavor manipulation and how we can kind of control what's in the pack. Yeah. And for people listening who haven't tried any whistle pig, I'm going to 
put you on the spot. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're going to be great at this. But we were talking about this earlier, kind of six year versus 10 versus 12 versus 15. We kind of, fo- and then we brought 18 into the conversation, but we were kind of focused on six, 10, 12, and 15. These are very, very different drinks. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so on that, um, you know, just parroting back, right? Finish, finishing, um, different casks involved, uh, different thermal treatments on the cask, uh, toast and char levels. And then I would also say just different blends. Um, and I think people overlook the power of blending as well. Let's go. There's our, there's our next one, blending. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously um, our company was founded in 2007 and it all uh, kicked off with tenure. Yep. Uh, so the Whistlepig tenure was the first product mm-hmm. at Whistlepig. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our uh, founding master distiller, Dave Pickerel, um, went out and tried to source the best rye he could find. Um, and it, it, we didn't necessarily talk about this too much, um, but at the time, rye whiskey wasn't really in the U.S. wasn't really it wasn't a part hot. of the market. It yeah, wasn't hot. Yeah. It wasn't hot. Uh, and, you know, Prohibition, World War One. obviously people think about bourbon being the, the queen bee of U.S. whiskey. Uh, but um, again, Trailblazer, as he was, he said, no, we need to bring this back. And so went out and, you know, scoured to find the, the best sources, created a fantastic blend, um, which, you know, I like to think that that really sparked the rye revolution because um, we're in for puns. You ready for it? Yeah. Not, I'm not, but go ahead. Revolution. No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, that's a minus one. No. Um, but anywho, so that blend that he created uh, is what we preserve today to this day, you know. Um, and so I think that's harnessing the power of blending and understanding here's a, the profile here's the standard and if we chose different barrels or a different source or w- whatever that could dramatically change what tenure is today so again back to blending i think is is super important to what we do as well and it's interesting too right i t- to skip to a whole different category, people who really know wine, it's not like blending is not a bad word, right? To get certain flavor profiles were like very, very high-end wines. Yep. Wines that are regarded as some of the best in the world are blends. Do you you think much about that? Because I, I don't know. I I don't know if there will be people. I mean, we already talked a little bit about single malt being like gets gets kind of you to to quote you gets put kind of on a pedestal. The blends are it's not a blend, but also single malt is still a blend. Yeah, because it just refers to uh, you know a a malt whiskey from the same site. Uh, so a lot of people don't realize that as well. But there's still some blending exercise. But we also do a lot of uh, single barrel 
We have a huge single barrel program. And to that point, it's where do we flex? You know, we have single barrel. This is a unique experience. Okay, we have our our core. We have tenure. We have, you know, our piggyback rye, uh, our six year, tw- you know, et cetera. And we're going to blend to profile. So it's it's not saying one's better than the other. It's just saying that these are tools for um, for the whiskey making team. So talking about blending, let's talk a minute about a very much related notion, I guess, but sourcing. In case people haven't noticed, Whistlepig has blown up and you guys are producing a lot of juice. So how as the overseer of sort of, I guess, all of this, how does sourcing and blending and how does it all work together? So this is why my team has a, we all have jobs. (laughs) This is why you have jobs. (laughs) Uh, It's a, it's a delicate dance, right? So we uh, keep track of our inventory um, very closely. We're in constant conversations of, um, what the forecast looks like, quality scores, what's going to be come of age. Um, and that's the other thing because whiskey is a long game and pretty much our, our youngest is six years, which means that six years ago, someone need, you know, someone needed to have the insight, you know? Yeah. It's a, t- it's a stupid business to be in. It's a really stupid business to be in. Like, we're sitting here talking about how much we love 15-year-old. Like, if we were going to start a business tomorrow, and we we're like, here's and the like, idea. The end game is uh, 15 years from now. Yeah, from right now. And if we had investors, they would be like, no. Okay, here's a fun topic. Non-alcoholic whiskey. Um, you and I talked about this a little bit ago. We have kind of some different opinions or takes on this, I think. Whistle pig did a limited release. Tell us about it. Sure. So super excited about it. We did a limited launch uh, for Dry January um, earlier this year, and it was the very first age-declared non-alk whiskey on the market. Um, So we we like to do things a little bit differently. Again, uh, we're we're a super innovative company. Um, So we took our six-year... piggyback rye, 100% rye whiskey, um, and then sent it through uh, a, a technology called spinning cone column vacuum distillation. Spinning cone, cone column vacuum, vacuum distillation. distillation. I can spell all those words, so I won't make you do that right now. Um, okay. To remove the ethanol uh, portion and then um, while preserving the flavor. And so that's, yeah, again, a su- it was a super limited launch. We sold out basically within 24 hours through DTC, so direct consumer, um, and it was great. So uh, we basically took 100% of the proceeds and uh, gave it back to USBG, which is the U.S. Bartenders Guild. Again, just saying that uh, dry January, people aren't given as much love to their local bartenders, but we're going to give that love back to them. Um, and so we're planning on and doing some sort of uh, non-alk expression for this dry gen as well. Um, yeah, so that's, that's basically what we did. Yeah, I absolutely have not tried every NA spirit out there, not even close. 
but I want to see innovation in that space. Um, I am someone who loves whiskey and loves a good cocktail. And there is a hundred percent room in my life where, you know, I want to have a drink or a drink or two. And because I can't shut up and tend to have long conversations with people, it's like, okay, now it's time to transition. Right. And I, there's, I'm not like trying to go to the cheaper product or the less expensive drink or something. I just want to keep a wonderful conversation or evening going or something. So I'm going to, I'm just going to tell people you were like, I don't know if I think the market is actually there. And I am on the side of, I think for frankly, professional people, there is certainly an emerging market for this. And I'm, so I'm in the camp of if you build it, they will come. They will come. Yeah. That's my impassioned plea. Okay. And yeah, so we, we talked about the market a little bit earlier and uh, I kind of mentioned, right. So I'm a millennial and I think things are changing a little bit with my segment, but the zoomers, so Gen Z, I think especially uh, in that market, um, those consumers are looking to other, um, they're trying to buy different, yeah, they're trying to buy other categories, um, looking at, you know, adaptogens or nootropics or just kind of tailing off, right? Um, so who knows? Maybe again, I'm I'm just a distiller, so <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> don't, try, don't try to get all falsely humble. I mean, I just think because anybody who has just listened to this conversation with all of the fascinating elements that go into making a complex spirit in in a way ultimately it's like yeah whether like i love the versions that have alcohol but a version that didn't but still had the history the story the complexity the aging all the finishing with done with care i'm in i'm in uh seltzer and lime is not gonna cut it anymore no that's just not an appropriate response it's it's about yeah the the matrix the beverage complexity and it's about um yeah enjoying that experience thank you for coming around to my side of things well yeah i'm here for you (laughs) thank you (laughs) um well you will be it sounds like in january except it sounds like i'm going to predict once again when you're like i'm not sure the market's there you're going to sell out once again super fast proving my my point (laughs) well Again, so we'll 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 wrap this portion of the conversation. But yeah, here that is my plea, and uh, just let me know who I need to bug around here to like keep mm, up okay. the innovation. Keep, keep, keep it up. Keep okay. up the innovation on the NA front. But let's segue to another of my favorite things in the world: bourbon. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, the last time I was here, and again, forgive me, I should check the record, but I think it was about two and a half years ago. Even though I'm horrible at time, so it could have been. 13 years ago, but I don't think that was true. There was a little talk back then, a little talk. I was sworn to secrecy about yep. kind of the bourbon project. The day has come. Tell us about this. Um, yeah. So I think, again, in the spirit of innovation, we f- were founded uh, on rye. And, you know, rye whiskey is, is super important to us, but 
um, we're growing and we're expanding. And so what that means is we're digging into uh, other categories like bourbon, for example, um, and non-alc and TBD. You'll you'll find out soon enough. Super excited about this launch. Of course, we worked really hard. Speaking of blending, that's something that um, we did a lot with this expression. So we, we've got our, our bourbon is our latest. Well, not our latest launch, but one of our recent launch. So it's in, under the piggyback um, kind of moniker. Uh, it's at 100 proof, so 50% ABV and age six years. So kind of just speaking again to kind of our ethos as a company at that higher ABV, uh, higher age statement and high inclusion in this case it's corn so it's it's the yin to our yang did you work on that for a long time the yin to your yang the pun or uh, um, the whiskey <laughs> i was thinking of the pun that's not a pun that's not a pun incorrect use of pun minus mm. minus yeah minus 10 so points. so we've been working on this one for a while and um now we're just getting ready to to scale uh yeah to scale the skew here's a hard question for you so for someone listening to this and they're like, I like bourbon. How would you compare this bourbon or how would you talk about it? So like, if you like a bourbon, that's like A, B, C, and D, you would probably be a fan of this one. Mm, I got her. Yeah. So again, I kind of mentioned it's our yin to our yang. So of course, with uh, our piggyback rye, we're more in the herbaceous, uh, baking spice flavor camp that we know and love about rye so this is definitely on the sweeter side um so i would say it, it's again we're not drawing out the baking spice it's in the total different camp of just honing in celebrating corn in this perspective versus rye uh just on that sweeter caramel vanilla camp you would you would, I'm like literally having it right now. There's still a spice to it. There's, there's a touch. I mean, again, we're whistle pigs, so we, we still have to, you, you know, have little, that little, that little, little spice spicy. touch, but it's, it's definitely on the sweeter side. It's definitely on the sweeter side. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Bourbon wasn't the latest release. What was? Yeah. So again, we're, we're constantly innovating. Um, we're turning out a uh, new juice. Um, right and left but i would say our biggest new release uh which just launched uh this week this week okay yeah okay that's uh, why i've been i've had a busy week so that's why maybe uh yeah so tuesday uh we launched uh was officially boss hog nine launch day so it's our latest release of uh boss hog it was greek inspired this year so um megan our head blender and i we actually went to greece the summer and um kind of yielded some inspiration uh from distillers there uh but it's actually uh, fig nectar and scratch farm scratch made tintura finished and so i'm gonna unpack that right please yeah because yeah. i don't know any of the words you just said um, so tintura um, is actually uh, a, a liqueur. It's dating back from uh, the 1600s from the Petra region of Greece. And it's basically 
everyone has their own family recipe and there's no real concrete recipe on what this looks like. And of course, here at Whistlepig, we said, okay, great. So this is our most creative expression uh, of any of the boss hogs because we decided to make our, our own tentura, um, which involves uh, some ingredients from Greece, some ingredients from local. So we're using local uh, Vermontian honey. I was told that's not a word, but it's... Vermontian. Vermontian. I don't know. I totally made that up. It, it's fine. Okay, it's cool. <laughs> we're making things up right yeah, now. Yeah. A combination uh, of some uh, ingredients from Greece, uh, a tsiporo, which is basically uh, a brandy, uh, a Grecian brandy. So, and it has cinnamon, like cloves, nutmeg, honey, orange peel. Um, and basically, we did uh, a, an extract of that um, all developed here on the farm and then finished our whiskey in it. And turns out, I'm going to pat myself on the back. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. To, what can you say a bit about like the Boss Hog series in general? I mean, this is quite limited, quite yeah. high end. Yeah, very limited. It's it's our biggest um innovation of the year. Uh um again, so we want to celebrate the liquid um you know, cast strength, always stupendous make sure the liquid is amazing um, and make sure that it's nothing that's ever been done before. So those are some of our key pillars uh, to what Boss Hog is about. And also, again, we like to have fun doing it along the way because whiskey should be fun. So getting a bottle of 10-year or 12-year or the 15, that is where... If we're having this, somebody's listening to this conversation three years from now, I'm going to guess chances are that 10, 12, and 15 will still taste pretty, there's, well, I, I like the phrase fam, family resemblance. Those might be quite identifiable. Is Boss Hog like swinging wildly different from year every, to year? Yeah, every year it's something new. And that's it. So again, eight... Um, is very different from what we're doing here with nine. Uh, we just started R and D with ten, so I you know ag again it's every year is something new. Well, I don't have my degree yet, but if if you all need you know just another perspective on when you go to Greece or if you're in Vietnam or whatever you're doing for the next one, you let me know, and you'll you'll come yes. out and lend your your palette and yes okay. i will lend my palette and my my loud voice and my strong opinions i would be happy to help okay um, awesome mostly i have yet to go to greece and if i that's gonna be when that happens that will be i think i told you like my philosophy background yeah there was a lot of greek and roman philosophy but like going to greece that is absolutely my like number one pilgrimage like in life. So when that happens, that's going to be a big deal. Okay. So I might, it's good. You didn't bring me last time. I would have like, I, I'm not, I'm not mentally ready for it yet, but. Well, that, that's another thing um, about uh, this launch. So Boss Hog 9, we're kind of paying homage. So we're calling it Siren Song 
I get it. I like yeah. It. And so we actually have um, nine different toppers this year. So all of our boss hogs are usually with a pewter topper. We partner with a local company called Danforth um, Pewtery. Pewtery. Um, and yeah, so this year we uh, made a big splash with nine different toppers, and they're all based off of uh, different, yeah, Greek uh, muses. Females, of course, right? Um, and that's, that's the other thing. So, uh, because we are also zero generations, um, but female led. So obviously I'm, I'm a female, our head blender is female. And so, uh, we wanted to just kind of make a big, uh, a big splash with, um, celebrating females, uh, past, present and future. All right. I may need to try to get my hands on a bottle of the recent release um it, you've used this phrase a couple times zero generations and it's very much been said as a point of pride you've talked a lot in this conversation about you're like we are about innovation and you know there's other brands that absolutely are want to tell a story about this is a multi-generational company yep. or my grandfather and his grandfather was a distiller or brewer or something. And um, that has not been the conversation we've been having for the last several hours since I've been here. Um, you very much talk about we are forward looking. It's interesting because you also talk about like, you know, with rye, we're actually kind of paying homage to an ingredient that yeah, was original it was yeah. more of an original and yet so you got a funny thing going on with like original rye but not being tethered to the past yeah so that's an interesting perspective and again i the way i like to think about it is it was trailblazing because it was brought back um but also forward thinking because we're interested in learning more about our rye, we're interested in moving forward and being more sustainable and celebrating this crop, but also just it, you know, I it's an adult playground, you know. That's that's another way to look at it. So it is, I guess, in a, there's a juxtaposition a little bit as well. Um, but I think it's how we're doing it how we're bringing it back and that's how we're being innovative but also moving forward we're pushing the needle well this has been fun i can attest to that and uh so yeah i guess just keep up the good work thank you yeah yeah and uh i can't wait to <laughs> see what's next um yeah so like i said we're constantly innovating so uh there's going to be some new whiskey out in the market from us uh, anytime now. So, and that's what we live for. We'll stay tuned. Uh, thank you. Fun to be here and fun to have this conversation. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for being here. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to Liz for the great conversation and for the hospitality at the Whistlepig Farm. I want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And if you are enjoying these Crafted conversations, then please take just a minute to leave us a rating or review 
and that will just help us keep this whole thing going and growing. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you real soon.